Hello and welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast. I'm your host, Will Chernoff, and this episode is sponsored by 12th Street Sound in New Westminster. My roots there go deep. I record all my personal music projects there since 2019. December is a fun month because it's the three-year anniversary of me walking in there and recording with Anthony Senorini for the first time. Anthony is giving you, as a listener of this show, 10% off all music production recording and mixing at 12th Street Sound. You can get that offer at 12thstreet.ca slash RCP. Get started today. Music is like a perfect blend of physical and mental challenges. You have to physically play this instrument, which is like very challenging to do. There's a tendency to just have a totally obsessive personality. I'm very excited to bring you today's episode featuring a great local trumpet player and a contemporary of mine. But before we throw to him, I want to thank everybody who has attended my gigs. William Chernoff Trio at the Tangent Cafe, at Frankie's Jazz Club After Dark, and at the Second Floor Gastown this fall and winter. Those have been an absolute blast. I can't wait to perform more locally in 2023. And that's enough about me. So let's get on with it. Today's episode, up next. Our guest today released a quartet album on December 2nd, 2022 called Pixies featuring Noah Franch Nolan on piano, Eli Davidovich on bass, and Millie Hong on drums. They recorded it here in Vancouver, but he has a master of music from U of T Jazz in addition to graduating from CAPS Jazz Program, which is where we met 10 years ago. I really enjoyed listening to his album and I'm stoked that's out in the world. So please welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast, Ben Frost. Thanks, Will. Thanks for being here in New West. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) thanks for having me. I asked you just beforehand as a small talk question, but how does it feel to have it out? Is it a relief? It's a big relief for sure. Uh, It's Yeah, it's just exciting to have made something and get to hold it in my hand. We did the CD trade too. I gave you a copy of Aim to Stay and I picked up a copy of that. So that's fun. Yeah, very exciting. It's like trading cards. Yeah. Yeah, potentially a lot less valuable, though. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking for myself, of course, not necessarily for you. No, definitely. Yeah. So you didn't actually record it that long ago. Like, I mean, I put out an album in October, like just about 30 days before you did. Mm -hmm. But I started recording it in September 2020. So mine went way back. But you recorded this this year, this spring, right? Yeah, uh, in April. Yeah. yeah, so basically, Eli sent me a message in the new year saying, just like, hey, we're we're coming, as in, you know, Eli and Millie, because they live in Montreal. Yeah. Just like, hey, we're coming. If you want to play, then, you know, let us know. Um, and so then I, I, of course, took that way too far and booked a day in the studio. Oh, just, ba- <laughs> just based on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all you need, right? You got the green light, you're ready to go. Yeah, exactly. So then it... <laughs> There was no real expectations, you know, because it was just one day in the studio. Um, but then, uh, then it it just kind of happened from there. So uh, that's why that's why it was kind of a quick tur- turnover because it just sort of happened, and then the steps after that kept happening as well. Yeah, because yeah. it was one day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
did you intend going in because you have the three improv tracks right did you intend to split the album between your compositions more formal compositions and like improv one improv two improv three what became those three tracks or was that a result of what happened that day how did that come to be it was a little bit of both um i mean i think going into it i didn't fully expect it to be like an album there wasn't really any expectation at all like it could have been just a demo or okay so even though you had the enthusiasm of like yeah let's do this let's get it in the studio it wasn't like yeah let's do this i'm making an album right now exactly yeah okay it it kind of it happened that way because it, it just like turned out great within a day you know um but the improv thing I, I just knew that I wanted to record some improvising because it's been more more a part of my playing, especially being in Toronto. Um, uh, yeah, so basically just at the end of recording everything, just like uh, we're, we just, uh, after recording all the like formal tunes, just basically, okay, let's do three takes. Just improvise, see what happens. And then... Um, you know, then I can figure out from there if if they if they're included or not or how how so yeah yeah. So you only did that three times and you used them all. You used all three of those attempts and you did that at the end of your day yeah. in the studio, your one day recording session. Okay, yeah. nice. Yeah. So it wasn't like there there was like you didn't do it five or six times and then you picked the best three or anything. No, like that. we. I mean, we probably could have, but I mean, as you know, recording anything like once you have a good take, it's kind of like okay, that was good enough. We better move on. I love that so, you say that because not everybody thinks that way. I do. <laughs> you know, that's when I'm in the studio. That's how I want to think. Some people are perfectionists, right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. like to work with perfectionists, I always say, because I'm, I'm not one. Yes. But, uh, so this is this is the attitude that you're expressing as well. It's yeah, like it you, felt like a similar yeah. kind of thing. Like, okay, yeah, that felt like good. So let's do another one. And then we did three. And I was like, okay, that was good. So there's no point in doing more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think Moon Dream is like one of my favorite tracks that I've heard all year from people in this community. Nice. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. What's the what's the composition's journey there? How did you create that thing cuz I love it. Um Moon Dream. I That's a good question. I don't know actually really how to answer that. I think the so there's there's sort of a a repeated like chord pattern, you know? Yeah. Um I think I at some point played those chords like a long time ago. Um and just wrote it scribbled it down in a book uh somewhere. And then decided to knew that it would be some kind of piece of music at some point um and then once i booked the studio day i was like okay this is something that i could turn into something new to record what really inspired me to make that original push just to book a studio day and make Uh something happen i think the uh, the inspiration is really a lot out of grief um and dealing with grief and then not wanting to turn that into something, but leaving with a feeling of like, I need to do something that makes sense. Yeah. It's a really convoluted answer, but, um, you know, in the last few years, there's a lot of grief, 
going on in my life. And um, of course, being a musician, always wanting to make an album is a thing. But I think out of dealing with that grief, it left me with like, okay, I like this has to happen. <laughs> yeah. If that makes sense. Um, and I think Moon Dream is maybe that one song is the only one I really wrote with grief really in mind. Huh. Um, so just in terms of like tone and specifically the improvising. Um, I gave the rhythm section this kind of repeated figure and I, I specifically told them like don't follow don't follow me like you would if you were normally playing with someone like following the trajectory huh. of 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 their like energy and stuff like I want it to feel like I'm just kind of scream, screaming into space a little bit whoa um, so yeah uh, grief huh. <laughs> Well, it, it definitely comes across because there's a striking mood in it that is not the same as yeah, the other moods for sure, that are yeah. on the album. So it really stuck out that way in a in a in a way that really drew me in mm. on my first listen. Like mm. that was just the most memorable moment for me, and off the, off the jump right there. So I appreciate that. Well, well, thank you for opening up a little bit about that part of it because it's not always, you know, that doesn't always happen. You don't always. For sure, yeah. yeah. It doesn't always, uh, it's not always easy to, to get there, right? So yeah, yeah. And then it's like, not only is it about wanting to share what you're feeling at that time because you have to, right? Because you have to capture it while it's there if you want to mm. make something from it. But it's also like capturing the people because right now you're the only member of the quartet who who lives here uh, yep. even though everybody did in in the past years when we've known each other over the past 10 years or so yeah um you know we showed up at cap together yeah and uh Millie and eli were at cap yeah you know noah franch nolan was coming up yeah he was in high school at that time but he was coming up too and now noah's in new york's come back to town this winter as people often do right but mm -hmm. and then Eli and Millie are in Montreal and I last saw them at the Jazz Fest yeah. this summer. So when you got the chance to to book the date with them, it's gotta be also something like while these people are all together, I gotta do it. I gotta take advantage of that, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah totally. Well, especially no uh Millie and Eli. Noah was still in town at yeah. the time, but it actually he was my roommate, so I probably just asked him like when I saw him in the house or something. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, you you have to do this. <laughs> oh, okay. So you have good access. Nice. Yeah. Um what's the timing like with uh you and Noah in Toronto? Because you've both been there, right? Did you overlap there? Did you play here and then play there too? Did you we get never to know each played other there? here, no. Yeah. Okay. Um Noah was finishing his undergrad when I did my masters. So he was there the whole time I was there. Yeah. But both U of T. Yeah. Yeah. Not like Humber or something. No, no, yeah. no, yeah. Okay, yeah. So you still, you got the chance to play together while you were a master's student while he was an undergrad student. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Did his playing like strike you right away when you, when you heard him there? I would say, yeah. I mean, I knew who Noah was because he's in Vancouver. Um, yeah. But definitely, I mean, he's such a talented dude, you know? Yeah. And also, 
so willing to be a part of stuff as well. He's just very enthusiastic to to do something with you, you know, no matter what it is. Yeah. Um but yeah, definitely his piano playing is really captivating for sure <laughs> i remember feeling that way the first time i heard him which i think was at a pat's pub jam i can't remember what year or yeah. where he was at but yeah yeah i remember being being struck by his playing right away and of course i always looked up to eli on bass because he was one of the longest time bass players in the cap program at the time when i happened to show up he had already been there for several years and so he was a he was a great person for me to look up to who was a few Absolutely. steps ahead of me and still yeah. is so yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way still about Millie and Eli. Like yeah. when when we were there, like they were my heroes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like school heroes, in general heroes. But yeah. So then, yeah, just like if ever they were like, "Hey, do you want to play a session?" It was like, "Oh my god, yes!" Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember no talking way. about that with, with Chris. <laughs> on our episode where we talked about the Goldie's Pizza Jam. Yeah. I remember jumping in when they were like hosting it. Yeah. And then I would come in and play with Millie or something or I would, and I would listen to them the rest of the time. And I was so excited about that. Absolutely. Yeah. So to get to like record something with them, like, you know, maybe, maybe at this point after being out of school, I still like look up to them so much, but maybe it's slightly more pure, like, yeah. At this point, I guess. But even still, it's like, oh, to have Millie and Eli play on this is yeah, dream come true. <laughs> well, it's good to look up to people who are closer to you because it makes more sense. It's sometimes it's hard to like look up to somebody who's in a completely different generation. And well, you'll admire them for sure. And we have our kind of people who are like iconic yeah. to us, right? Like you, your album here, trumpet, piano, bass, drums. My album here, we did the CD swap, trumpet, piano, bass, drums. You yeah. know, I picked that lineup because of the Brad Turner Quartet. Oh, yeah, you know? absolutely. You, you've got to have that in your in your influences too. But it's a different kind of inspiration when you're talking about people you look up to who are like almost your peers versus people like that who are in the totally. generation above us. So yes, it's totally. a different experience, but yeah. Yeah, the Brad Turner Quartet is... Um an an undeniable uh presence <laughs> yeah no kidding you have your favorite album by them or f- memories memories from them of going to hear them or something what hit you the most i mean you've you've spent a lot of time around rad because you graduated from cap so there's that you've heard him play live probably in all kinds of different configurations yeah i mean well just just him as an individual is like maybe the most important uh like mentor in my musical life yeah um i can't imagine any one person who had more impact on me as a musician uh but that band i think the the record with Seamus Blake is probably the one so good every it's so epic yeah everyone's playing is like mind blowing it just like the it's like the perfect perfect representation of like that band and how they all interact with each other i feel like all the tunes are so cool and Seamus like unbelievable just, saxophone just playing. It. <laughs> yeah it's just so on it yeah when did you first hear that was it pre-cap or at cap 
Um, well, I took lessons with Brad in high school, and he gave me a lot of his CDs. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. So I probably listened to it for the first time uh, before high school. Yeah. So then you went there kind of because you, you continued on to Cap because he was there probably in no, in no small part, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think so. That's what I did. <laughs> yeah, because I, I didn't take lessons with him directly, but I was—I uh, heard him at the cellar a couple times when I was in high school, and I was really inspired by him compositionally. And so, why totally. I went to Cap because a lot of my friends from New West were already going there, and because I wasn't going to be leaving town anyways. But yeah, certainly because he was there. Yeah, going to—I wasn't positive I was going to go to Cap. Actually, there was a good—it was either that or I was going to go to UBC. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't positive that I wanted to pursue fully being a musician. This was 10 years ago you were making this consideration, <laughs> That's right? right. Yeah. That was a long time What do you ago. remember about that decision, though? Yeah, I mean, I like music has, at that point, had been a very large part of my life, but playing trumpet was like fairly recent because I only started playing the trumpet. Well, I guess I shouldn't say only. Most people start playing a band instrument when they're in grade eight yeah know? like me yeah for sure um and i took a liking to it but i didn't really take it seriously until like later in high school like only a couple of years before i graduated mm-hmm. that's probably um, pretty common too yeah so like the idea of jumping into a university degree after like a couple of years of taking a liking seriously to this instrument was um even though even though i was I guess I was fully ready to like commit myself to doing music, but it felt especially daunting because I was quite new to the instrument, I guess, in a serious way. Um, yeah, I, I guess like maybe, like you said, like it's pretty normal, I would say, probably for like people that grew up like us. But That kind of timeline, yeah. Yeah, but like in a general, like compared to how long I had been playing piano, right. for instance, it's like, oh, well... I played piano since I'm, I was five and I, you know, wasn't <laughs> like, I'm not, uh, you know, doing my ARCT or anything. So like, where's the trumpet thing going to go, you know, like, and I've only done it a couple of years. It seemed like a big commitment given how much totally, yeah. little time relatively you had spent on the trumpet. Yeah. Especially when UBC is quite a safe, a safer option, I guess. It's such a well-known school, you know, there's certainly going to be something that'll come of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just I had to do music, so I did you just it. went yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah. And then you showed up on your first day, and I showed up that day as well. And <laughs> That's right. We're there. Thad showed up too, and I already knew Thad, so I got placed into classes where I played with him. I don't think I played with you right away, but I definitely I don't remember think so. We definitely did at some point. I remember yeah. playing Boulevard Blues together in a really? combo class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good dude good call yeah somebody somebody picked that one for us yeah and then we've actually um this will this will be fun i don't know if you'll you'll recall this i can remember at least one time that we performed together in public i remember that yeah 
Do you remember uh, where it was? At, um, what's that pub called? Yeah, it's the Princeton, Princeton Pub. Princeton pub. <laughs> That's the only time we've ever played together, <laughs> I think, so. in public. I seem to remember that went well, though. I have no, yeah, I don't remember what year it was. Oh, you know or... what? That's not true. I also no? played in the, the Celtic... Uh, oh, yeah, we brought you that, for North Shore yeah, Celtic yeah, yeah, Ensemble. Yeah. That, was, that was awesome, because we brought Johnny to play trombone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and Gavin Grachowski to play sax. Yes. And you, so that must have been like 2016. Yeah, that, that was a good one. But I don't know. We, I, we played at the Princeton together once uh, around the time that I recorded this album, Aim to Stay. So it must yeah. have been like 2015 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it was a while yeah, ago. That's, but that's, sure. I think that's our only gig together. Maybe a recital here or there or something at Cap. But, yeah, yeah, public though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, that would have been like in the middle of your of the cap leg of your education mm -hmm. journey yeah. right i think that was after you maybe left cap right or yeah stepped away i left after the first year like 2013 14 i oh, left okay. yeah yeah and then uh because i remember you yeah. were playing electric on that on the princeton pub thing yeah 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 i still nowadays i play almost all electric i played electric in my band as well pretty much yeah. still play upright um but just so happens that it ends up being mostly electric these days yeah that was already the case back then yeah i don't remember i guess we played a lot of my music that that made it onto that album but what was by that time was it feeling was it feeling different for you like were you getting into the groove when you were in that stage of it or did it feel like overwhelming because it was just like tons of information you had to practice all the time was that like a hard point for you like thinking about coming through the, just the cap leg before the u of t leg the the middle to the end of of your time there what kind of what kind of time was that for you that's a good question uh music school is hard you know <laughs> i know it was, it was too hard for me in a lot of ways yeah <laughs> um cap i mean i think uh until the trumpet Okay, music school is hard, but the trumpet is really hard, <laughs> you know? And I think all throughout CAP, I, like, really continued to struggle playing the trumpet um, and, like, trying to achieve a standard that I wanted to achieve. Um, so that, I, that was the first thing I thought of, like, especially through CAP, just, like, constant dissatisfaction with my progress playing the trumpet who um you know maybe that's just because i uh take it music really seriously, seriously. and i you know what yeah i would expect nothing less than greatness but huh. so you set a high standard for yourself yeah, right from the beginning i mean even doing a master's degree like certainly at that point I felt more comfortable on the trumpet, but I feel like it, it, it's only like recently that I felt like, um, I can actually do what I want to do on the instrument. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, but I mean that time, especially the last few years at cap were, were really awesome. Um, being in the A band especially was really was a great experience and you've you know? got a lot of good friends by that point too that you would have had for two mm -hmm. or three years yeah so. playing with steven and parker and miles i used to go hear you guys well we i heard i heard a, a version of this almost that band really recently too because you played <laughs> yeah, the tangent right, right? Steven, it's very yeah. very close to to that but i used to i used to go hear you guys for sure yeah um 
yeah so definitely like having friends like that that are willing to play my music was a really big thing in getting to um open up a really important creative outlet of writing music you know yeah writing music in a way that in the way that i wanted to i guess and people were wanted to play it yeah and got to explore that um yeah so that was yeah if i didn't get the chance to do that then i probably wouldn't you know have handed you a cd right now yeah Uh, are any of these tunes super old like do any of them date back from that time yeah um max and moritz i think i probably wrote around then really oh cool okay yeah Yeah. that's an old one (laughs) so do you you wrote that tune when you were playing with parker wood steven edwards and miles wong yeah definitely all right okay so i would have i would have heard that back in the day at some point yeah. now what is it named after max and moritz oh that's a great story um so max and moritz is a, a children like a german children's story it's actually several stories and what it boils down to is max and moritz get into a bunch of trouble around the city like you know as uh kids do i guess <laughs> mischievous adventurous kids do yeah um and basically the moral of this story is don't do that stuff because how the story ends is that they get ground up in a meat ground grinder by the, <laughs> oh, by the, by the butcher in town. <laughs> oh dear uh, okay. super dark um yeah. and my grandma would tell me that tell us that story sometimes <laughs> do you have do you have german heritage then um s- n- sort of yeah not like culturally i guess kind of my on my mom's side is um mennonite okay yeah um which is like sort of german you know people spoke german and stuff uh but that part of my family actually came from uh from not germany <laughs> um from russia okay yeah it's so what what was technically within russia's like the soviet borders. union <laughs> yeah okay yeah i have i have russian background too as well but it's yeah. be- before soviet union it's like around 1900 like coming to canada yeah. but they're from what is the country of georgia oh right shoot. now they're, yeah, they're yeah, from yeah. around around that area at least some of them yeah are, yeah i'm hesitant to actually yeah. say russia especially with with what's going on recent yeah. political things because we don't actually know specifically where the town is that they came from you know yeah it could have been like what's ukraine now or yeah so, or it could be what's within russia now but there's yeah. a lot of ambiguity there. It's a, it's a it's mess. A, yeah. It's a big mess. Like not a little bit further to the west, but uh um uh, Vez's grandparents were orphaned too, so there's a lot that they don't know yeah, about yeah, yeah. that about my in laws side of the family history too. But yeah. And then mine came over. I actually want to uh I know that when you were uh when you were in Toronto you must have played with like um give a shout out to, to them here too, like you play with like Harrison Argatov or Alex Argatov. Oh, those yeah. guys, yes. those guys must be related to me because they're they're they must be from like the same kind of um, yeah. Russian immigrant uh, cultural group called the Dukabora Russians who came to Saskatchewan and then went on to BC. So they must be related to me at some point too because we both have similar last name. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And that's the kind of thing same, where that's same from. Lineage. So I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. have to ask them about that. I thought of that because I have that in my notes because I. I asked you which tunes are old and I wasn't expecting Matt's and Moritz. So that's cool. Um, but also the composition Pixies, maybe not from Cap, but I did find a version of it 
that you threw off on a SoundCloud or something that you made with a larger <laughs> ensemble while you were yeah. in Toronto. Yeah, and no. Alex Argatov is playing bass on that. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. sure is. Yeah. So and you it, write that one there in Toronto? And I would say Alex did a great job of playing yeah. that one too. Um, <laughs> yeah, f- I mean, firstly, the Argatov family is like, something is in whatever they ate when they grew up because <laughs> they're all so, so exceptional. The jazz bug. Yeah, That's they're what's in really it. exceptional musicians. Um, but yeah, so that recording is from my grad recital. In Toronto, your master's Toronto, grad recital. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, and it's a funny kind of group uh, because it includes, so it's piano and bass and drums and me, which is like typical. The instrumentation um, is... Jeff Claridge is playing clarinets, mm-hmm. and then there's trombone, and then also bassoon. Yeah, so there's seven people. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I I was in an ensemble at U of T. Uh, run. Do you know Andrew Downing? He's a really awesome bass. I've player. never met him. Yeah, I know who that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Andrew runs a really cool ensemble called the Hybrid Ensemble at U of T, and the aim is to um, basically have a group where the people in the classical program and the jazz program can play in one thing. Um, uh, and that, that was a really great experience to be a part of that group because it, it's really, um, a lot of importance placed on just like student writing and bringing stuff into workshop. So it was a great way to explore writing and arranging and, uh, orchestration um yeah so i I just wanted to i wanted to take my existing sort of lead sheet type tunes and um expand them out a little bit uh so that's what my grad recital was and what year was that obviously it was before covid Uh, right 2019 i guess okay yeah oh wait is that when i graduated maybe 18 or 19 19 i think Yeah. yeah Because then you came back here, and were you back here ever since COVID? Or did yeah, you stay out there? I moved, I stayed there for a bit. Um, okay. Uh, you know, because who knows how long that was going to last, right? Um, but then it became clear that it wasn't financially possible for me to just stay in Toronto and do nothing. Oh, like you were still there into 2020. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was, wor- I had to, so like... I, it was such a bummer. I was like just getting in, just like starting to play with people just around Starting town. to gig regular. Oh, yeah. And like had teaching jobs. And I was like, okay, I can do this. You can hang in thing. Toronto. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, and then that happened. So then I got like, then I got a part-time job uh, working in student residence at U of T, which was miserable. And then I was like, okay, yeah, I just need to live at home and not pay rent so i moved back yeah when was that in 2020 march i think 2021 or yeah sorry 2021 yeah yeah after a year of trying to figure it out yeah wait maybe not 20 i don't even know now doesn't have to be the exact year but that's the general gist of it was basically i stayed for a while during covid and i was living with john nicholson yeah um all these vancouver people who you're with there it's a great migration (laughs) yeah um we living, I was living with John Nicholson and we played so much uh we played so much Smash Bros while <laughs> while COVID was happening. It was great. But then we had to move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
was there a was there a clear uh skills favorite between the two of you was one of you clearly better or were you an equal match i think john is generally better okay um, I don't know how familiar you are with Smash Bros. Very. Okay. But sweet. I really had a hard stop in my gaming life in 2008, 2009 when I entered music because when I went to high school here, I had gone to elementary school in Richmond yeah. and I had friends who did not live in New West who were my closest friends. And then when I came to high school and I started playing music, I lost touch with those friends pretty much. So I, okay. and my new friends didn't play games. So yeah. like I, my, my active participation just had a super hard stop in there with the exception of one of my friends who I kept in touch with, we made some Smash friends in Kelowna and we would go up, okay. drive up to Kelowna in the summer when my friend got his driver's license and we would play Smash up there nice. in Kelowna. But other than that, that was it. It's like a hard hard stop kind of at the end of the 2000s for me in the in the gaming. But Yeah, yeah. so, okay, so to get into sm- Smash, <laughs> <laughs> basically when me and John started playing out of like sheer boredom, I, I was starting from zero, okay. like button mash level. But I I quickly, like, learned how to actually, like, use the controls, you know, which was so over my head when I was a kid. Like, I didn't understand how people could actually, like, have any finesse playing this game. Um, But then, like, I was like, okay, I get it. Like, I can can have some strategy and tactics here. Yeah. Um, John, John, I think, always edged me out. But what we reverted to eventually was Ganondorf first Ganondorf one-on-one matches which are, is just so ludicrous you know like how he, you know the like spike he has like the the two-footed like bomb like the yeah the, yeah. the really strong move yeah. that is really slow and yeah, it's yeah. just like almost always just like a one hit yeah. ko type situation it's so so dumb You're just doing that that's what we reverted to yeah yeah um <laughs> so stupid <laughs> There must be some kind of like try hard analogy to be made there to like something like playing the trumpet or doing that where like when you first see it when the controller lands in your hands like you have no idea how to like you can't think fast enough to do anything interesting you're just trying to figure out what to do next right but then as you get more comfortable with it then it's like you're thinking goes off a a layer and so you can actually think about what to do and Uh and then uh eventually you feel what to do kind of thing and then it goes up again but it it takes time right like even something like that is it's the same idea as when we're like learning to play or when we're struggling to learn to play as i've done and as you said you've done too right yeah yeah totally yeah when you think about it uh super smash bros is um yeah really deep (laughs) (laughs) uh at least if if you look at it in this in this particular way yeah you can yeah that concept though my one of my favorite uh quotes from like trumpet pedagogy um like if you if you've ever been in a music school you've heard trumpet players playing that this one clark exercise do 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 you know that one Uh uh-huh um and at the beginning of that book there's a great quote um from herbert l clark himself and basically it's like to paraphrase um what what seems impossible right now is attainable just from consistent effort of trying to be a little bit better each day and eventually you'll be able to do this thing that seems impossible from Hmm. from ground zero you know that strikes me as very athletic that kind of concept mm-hmm. it strikes me as like something that you would do physically as a as an athlete that you would strive towards as yeah, well totally yeah yeah 
even though like it's hard to make analogies to music to sports all the time people do it all the time it doesn't yeah. always line up but like just the pursuit of um athleticism it's like it's like that yeah, yeah i think yeah i think learning technically learning an, an instrument is a lot like athletics you know yeah like really disciplined small small gains over a long period of time you know did you do that when you were coming up or do you have athletic or physical related things that you practice and that you do alongside playing the instrument too do you have that world and the similar kind of experience out there in any like in discipline or any kind of sport or activity physical I, activity that you do regularly i and i enjoyed i was a pretty physical sporty kid i was never yeah. like super good at sports but um especially skateboarding i really liked skateboarding oh, nice. when i was younger um i still i still skate a little bit these days um i mean that's super applicable because gotta practice <laughs> it's so it's so technical and skills based you know just like these tiny little details that you have to hone in to um do anything yeah <laughs> even the most basic things you know um, yeah. but these days I, I, I totally, I'm totally into rock climbing. Yeah. So this is, this is such a fascinating thing for me because for years I've observed that so many people in, in our community are so enthusiastic about climbing and for whatever yeah. reason, I never managed to sink into it as much. So it's always been kind of a curiosity to me. Maybe you can mm -hmm. just speak to it from your own view, but why do you think so many musicians are obsessed with climbing where really i'm just curious about what's your experience with climbing why do yeah. you love it well okay i mean i can there's two i can answer why i think and also my own personal okay. experience okay i think um so mu music is this really is like a perfect blend of physical and mental challenges into one right like you you have to physically play this instrument which is like very challenging to do and at the same time um applying like all of these purely mental challenges to this technical instrument right um that's an yeah, I feel like I'm oversimplifying what all of music is. There. Well, it's like there's this <laughs> phrase mental gymnastics, right? Yeah. Where you have to like try and figure out an idea that is just impervious to you at first, but then you, you know, maybe you you get there eventually. So maybe that kind of that kind of yeah, I mean, speaks to that. Yeah, I mean there's there's like if you think about just the sort of like cerebral side of music, like theory and like or or just Harmony like or, emotion yeah. that you're trying to convey, there's like so much uh, depth and breadth to just the mental side of music, right? And then similarly, there's like, or maybe equally so, there's like uh, depth and breadth just to like being able to technically play any instrument, right? Yeah. And then to combine those two things to create music is is a it's art. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, in terms of physical activities, I think rock climbing is a really similar combination of those two things um, because it's one. There's the physical aspect to it, where in order to be able to do certain things, you need to be strong enough. Um, in a in a general sense, but there's also this mental aspect. You need to figure out what it is your body has to do, and then you need to somehow combine those two things. You know what yeah. I mean? So you don't mean like you need to figure out 
you need to convince yourself that you're capable of it. That's another like mental aspect of athleticism. But I think what you're talking about is like you you literally need to have the mental concept of where to go next on the exactly. wall or yeah, face yeah. or uh, yeah, to just figure like, out literally like a, what to do, where to go, where to move. It's just like puzzle. A, it's like a puzzle. Yeah, like in yeah. a general in those kind of like macro things like where your right hand is going to go but even beyond that if you know like what holds to use you need to figure out what how what your body has to do to be able to use those holds but then on the flip side you need to your body needs to be able to do those things which is like you need to have the technique to be able to execute people often talk about like to be able to play what you hear in your mind or what you want to play exactly exactly this is like you see or you imagine where you need to move next and you need to be capable of doing that it feels like almost the same thing (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah so that's why we think it's appealing to a lot of jazz musician the other thing the other reason is because if you're a musician you I feel like there's a tendency to just have a totally obsessive personality, you know, yeah. like if you have learned an instrument enough to like, for instance, go to music school. Not everybody's going to do that. Yeah. Like you, you at some point had to be obsessed with that thing. Right. And I think like there's something about rock climbing that is so <laughs> obsessive. Like yeah. it's so addicting. Um, I think it's because like so there is you can work hard to like see gains and that's what like that that's what really um, works well with an obsessive personality <laughs> you know if you can just work really hard to get better at it then um, then an obsessive person can get, be obsessed with it you know so out of the general and on to you when okay, did you yeah. start doing it how did it come to you yeah so um I mentioned like when you asked me about that one song, I mentioned like a lot of grief and like challenge in my life. Um, so yeah, moving, moving back from Toronto, um, basic, basically to, to sum up a couple of important life events was I moved back from Toronto and then started spending a lot of time with my grandma and then my grandma passed away. And, um, Basically, I think mental health issues that I didn't realize I was dealing with before suddenly uh, were completely overwhelming uh, for me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I think I was dealing with stuff that I had enough distraction with an all-encompassing music school that I didn't, like, it didn't quite take over, you know, because I was distracted. Um, But then suddenly coming home and there's nothing going on and there's nothing left to do. There's nothing to do in life. Then there's nothing left for me to do, but for these issues to like completely consume me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my, my mental health was, was really bad, frankly, dealing with, uh, depression and anxiety. Um, and then what really, really helped me was that my cousin Haley uh, took me to the hive to go bouldering. And then suddenly I had this, uh, you know, like I said, it's like a totally addicting thing. Like I latched onto it for those reasons. And then suddenly I had something to do, basically. It like offered me some kind of 
something for my mind to like think about during the day basically and for me to like look forward to um and as well i think it offered something that i was missing which is just like being active and and physical which i think i i personally need like a pretty like active person you said you liked that when you were younger too yeah, yeah exactly and i think it was something that i i i realize now i didn't prioritize at all during school um and i think as a result i like i needed it but i was uh not giving myself that outlet it didn't occur to you that you needed it even yeah exactly so then suddenly suddenly that clicked like I have a physical activity that I really like to do and I can just like, yeah. So, and as well, just something else to think about other than, you know, nothing. <laughs> yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, basically, basically it, it, for me, it just like helped me deal with, uh, depression. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I've, I've had a similar timeline. I I had a hard time in that period that you're describing as well because of different things that happened uh, yeah. too. And I think, yeah, a lot of people have been going through a lot of things, but sorry to hear yeah. about the family side of it and how you had to come back and yeah, yeah. deal I mean, with that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, for I think, me, it was like yeah, yoga, yoga. Was, was my version of it. That's yeah. like when I'm doing it, then it really helps. Like I did it this morning and I've been doing it every morning. And when I'm doing that, then it really Mm-hmm. It, it puts me in a good place during the day mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah. similar kind of thing that you can obsess about too i'm not really on that level yet but at least i'm doing it often so that's right yeah. <laughs> yeah i guess to go back to like this idea of grief mm-hmm. and this challenging period and like that being sort of a catalyst for like me needing to do some do something um yeah, during during that period it was like I couldn't I didn't even want to like touch my trumpet, you know? Like it was hard just to like play a few notes. Um and I think once Yeah, I guess I think part part of part of what really uh led this to be overwhelming for me to the point where it was difficult to like function in daily life was just like an accumulation of, of grief basically to go back to that point. So like, for instance, I mentioned my grandma passed away. It was really close to me. So that's like apparent grief. Um, but you know, grief comes in a lot of small ways that you might not like necessarily label as grief, but it certainly is certainly so like, like having to leave, Toronto um and just kind of leave that behind uh, in an unannounced ways like full full of grief you know um and another thing I, I thought about is um is our friend Natasha who passed away while I was in Toronto and I don't think I really fully uh dealt with that because i wasn't here you until know? you yeah because that until was beginning of 2019 back. and then until you got back yeah um so i think those three specific grief filled things um yeah really piled up and so that that when i my mental health it started improving and i you know, could like practice again and like 
play. Um, I think that's why grief really fueled me wanting to make something. Um, thinking about, like, thinking about Natasha, like, what would Natasha be doing right now? She would be making an album. <laughs> you know, she'd be doing her thing. Uh, or, like, what would my grandma want me to do? Hmm. Just, like, be me and do my thing. Or what would I be doing if I was in Toronto? I would just be being a musician, you know? Um, yeah. As well, grief, grief is a kind of a complicated thing because uh, it's obviously involves a lot of loss and sadness. Um, but it can also it can also be like kind of a liberating feeling, you know? Um, That's a good way to say, I like that you said liberating because maybe if I had to fill in the blank there, I would have thought it was like, oh, it could be a productive feeling. But liberating is an even better word probably. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like imagine imagine like a bad breakup for instance i don't have to imagine <laughs> <laughs> like there there's grief and sadness involved in that no matter like how positive leaving that relationship is um but ultimately if it's good for you then it's like a totally liberating thing right yeah literally because then you're on to the next thing and even losing my grandma you know like it's liberating in a in a way like you know now this is over you know because you know that it it will happen at a certain exactly point. i remember when yeah my mom's parents were passing away you know that at some point it's exactly it's gonna happen yeah. to everybody right so um yeah in different in different levels depending on the circumstance because uh i guess to think about natasha passing away since i've brought up the example uh, I can't, it's hard for me to think of how that's liberating to deal with that grief, right? Yeah. Um, but it is kind of a complicated, complicated feeling, you know? Um, yeah. So I was thinking about that too, making this music. Because those are the kinds of things that end up in the music, because that's when you don't have another outlet for those kinds of things. Yeah, exactly. If you do this kind of thing, then you put it in there, because that's where, that's where it goes. Totally, yeah. Yeah. So when you get up on stage at the tangent, however small a little rectangular stage it is in that cozy little room, yeah. And you play around the releases. That was pre the album technically coming out, but this is, you know, just a month and a half ago as of when we're recording this, which is like just a month in advance of when you put the album out. Yeah. Are you feeling all of this while you're up there playing it or are you immersed in the moment? How was that for you? Um this is playing with Steven, right? And Chris and Yeah. Uh, I mean, for that, I was just excited to play with Steven again because he's yeah. just kind of disappeared. And now he's back. <laughs> and now he's great. back, which is awesome. Yeah, because it wasn't like, obviously it's not your band because like we were saying, they're not here, those people. So it wasn't like yeah. you were playing this album front to back or anything. No, no. Playing around also, it also it was Steven's gig. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah, it was technically his band. It just so happened to basically be your band be from back in the day. from then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I w I wouldn't I wasn't really thinking you about thinking my about music, it yeah no. I just like was trying to be able to play the trumpet the whole night and not yeah. <laughs> not cack <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then you also played at the Lido yep. with Carl DeYoung's band right mm -hmm. so what was that I wasn't there what what did it sound like how was it 
It was cool. It was some of Carl's music, uh, and some like more modern uh kind of stuff, like you know, odd time signatures and whatnot. Um uh it was sweet. I mean Carl's music is cool. It's like pretty simple and readable, which I think is really makes it easy to imprint your own uh your own voice on it, which I think is really important. And the yeah, it was a fun band to play with and the Lido is awesome. It's cool to hang out there. I've never played at the Lido actually. Yeah. Only started up this year as a as a venue in in our community, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think but it used to be a thing before it was booked by Cole Schmidt. Right, um, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Um but only re- yeah, recently re reenlivened. Um but it's an awesome place to play. There's yeah. It's sweet. It it's nice to be asked by like the I I don't actually don't know. Carl's at Cap, right? Yeah, I think he's in third year. Okay, yeah. yeah. I didn't talk to him about this. Yeah. Because I, I didn't... I he didn't, probably listens, so I we'll see if he gets back at us after this. <laughs> Sweet, yeah. <laughs> I should totally drag him through this, through the mud. Yeah, no. put that in at like an hour in and see if you notice yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hadn't met Carl before he asked me to play. Um, and we never played together until we rehearsed for this gig. Uh, but, you know... I. Th- I find it for me it's really special when the like current cat people ask me to play music with them. Like it makes me feel like uh you know it's one th- it's very special to play with your peers, you know, who know what you do and that you play music, but when someone who's not a part of that circle asks you to play then it's like it kind of reaffirms that you're you you're doing something <laughs> like yeah. you're in some way relevant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, cuz it's all it's a thing of this small size is based on social ties so much of it right so like it's a social currency kind of thing yeah yeah so yes but i mean yeah it's always feels special when anyone asks you to play music but especially when someone that you don't know that is like a younger cap generation i don't know it feels special yeah it's it's great to hear that right and if you're if you're one of those people if you're one of those younger people it's good to hear from you that you feel special when you get asked because think about it put yourself back oh 10 yeah, years ago should, when we were there absolutely. if we were getting asked you know if we were on the other side of that exchange do we really think that the other person would feel special no, if, like if you went up i don't i'm just it doesn't matter who the name exactly right but if you went up and asked somebody in i know they they didn't stay local either but somebody in that kind of elder millennial generation of like Morgan Childs or Amanda sure, Tosoff yeah. or even like Jillian Lebeck or something like that. If you ask those people, do, do you so think that they were going to respond to your request <laughs> by being, oh, wow, thank you. I feel so honored and special that you, 18-year-old Ben, asked me to. <laughs> do you, Would we really be thinking at that age that that's how they would react? No, not at so all. it's good if they're listening right now, which they are, to, to hear that you felt that way. Yeah, totally. I think you should just ask... Should just ask whoever you want, no matter what, because the worst that's going to happen is they'll just say no. But this, uh, then they won't say no because they don't like you. They'll just say no because they don't have time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I, you know, like when I was at Cap, I asked Brad and Andre to play, and they did it. Yeah. You know, was it? Even now, it feels like brazen of me to have asked them <laughs> to play my music, but they did it, and it was a great learning experience. You know, to hear what someone like that would do to what i'm to how they would play what i'm writing you know yeah 
So this is this you've been you've been alluding to that you've talked about. Oh, I scribbled something out. You talked about music that's readable and that you can imprint yourself on. You talked about what you're providing them in terms of charts, and I, I think that's great because yeah. I've always recognized that um, you are one of the great copyists of our generation. Oh, you make the most beautiful charts of anybody I know, and you always yeah, did. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of the the pen the the writing. Uh, style and the the just the of the of the handwritten charts that you make are so they feel like they are from neil hefty count basie big band or whatever like (laughs) (laughs) but they're lead sheets right like they're not you're not you're not doing a lot of big band stuff but like you you have always been a very talented copyist when what's the story like how did that how did you develop that did it just happen did you wake up one day and realize that you're just really good at writing charts that are beautiful or Um, what's going on there I, uh, I mean, I think, uh, again, to mention the influence of, of Brad, I think one of his, his sort of composing ethos is like, is distilling something down to its essence to like a one pager type thing. Um, and you know, I'm, I think, I feel like he probably, he probably uh put that in my head like while i was in high school you know so right and i think that that really um resonated with me even as a naive high schooler so that that's always been my goal is like something that you can fit on one or two pages and like gets the essence of what you're trying to get across in as small a space as possible um so as a result, all of the music I've ever written, it's easier to write by hand. Like it's faster for me to write. It's faster for me, for me to write out one page of music by hand than it is to like open up Sibelius and you hear like, duh, 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 you know, the sound and then you have to wait for the sound to turn off. And then, you know, so it's just as easy to do that. And then as well, like, I don't know, I've always liked drawing. I've never been a good like artist visual artist uh but it's really therapeutic writing stuff out by hand and taking the care to do it you know and as well just like um like i'm yeah like i mentioned about carl's music being able to imprint yourself in something like i th- i think um playing this music how it's interpreted is maybe more important than the material that is there as much as I think as much as I'm really important and a great composer and so awesome, you know, (laughs) I think how people play it is more important than like what I actually get on there. And so that being said, it's your job then to write something that someone can actually do something with, you know, how can you get your own voice across as a composer while also leaving space for someone else to to have their own voice, you know? And that's a really fine balance. Um, and I think part of that for me, which I realized quickly, is just if you write your own parts out by hand, then it makes it special for someone reading it and they want to actually invest themselves into it, you know? Um if you take the time to write out a really nice handwritten chart and you have nice handwriting and 
you know, someone like you says like, hey, this is like really nice. I appreciate that. That's sweet. Um, it's just as simple as that. Wow. When you put it that way, it's it's totally true. Yeah. I love it. Not that it has to be handwritten to like be special, but just like take the time to make it like legible. I mean, know? at this point, all you got to do to be above the bar is just print it on some special paper or something. Yeah, like, exactly. Then, then you're exactly. already above 99% of people's charts, right? Yeah. Or like, or like Carl, like, um, like this gig with Carl, like he made sure like the small things like, okay, that he has B flat charts to read and he's not going to transpose anything. Yeah, people don't do that. They show up when there's trumpet players playing and they have not not charts in B flat. So yeah, that happens. He, he you know, he took the time to like double check with stuff that like doesn't like doesn't really matter and like enharmonics. Like do you care about enharmonics? And I'm like, no, it doesn't matter. But I appreciate an A sharp or something. I on appreciate there, yeah. that he took the time to think about that, you know, like Yeah. So is that a secret that people find when they get really into it and that's an identifier of who's really into it? Or is that something that we are all taught, or at least those of you who continued in the CAP program are taught and then only the best people remember? Like, is it a hidden thing or is it a taught thing that people just neglect? I don't know. I feel like I seem to remember people telling me that. Yeah. 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 Because you, you know, you've pursued graduate studies in this music. Like you, you must have at least some desire to be an educator as you, as you continue in in your career right yeah 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 at least you know there's various ways to do that right like yeah. how how do you think about that did you did you approach it really in terms of developing as a performer with a performance focus or with the intention of like someday like being a faculty person and an instructor that way or like how did you approach that like maybe when you were deciding to go to toronto i know the the post toronto period is yeah is quite a, a unique animal right yeah, but at yeah, least yeah. when you got there the intent right like how much intent was there for you as a as an educator versus as a performer i think um definitely definitely the idea of pursuing a master's degree uh was to some extent because you need that to teach at a post-secondary yeah uh, school like minimum uh which even now like the general trend seems to be like you kind of need a doctorate huh to be wow. in good stead okay. but the ver- bare, bare minimum is that you need a master's you know like yeah. when we were at cap like uh it was basically like if you don't have a master's then your resume is like not even in the stack of resumes basically. and that was back in 2012 so yeah now it's going to be more competitive or whatever you would say describe it as yeah yeah so i mean it seems like it, it seemed like even though I didn't know for sure, it just seemed like a wise investment. Like okay, at least I can just get this bare minimum thing, and then you know who knows. And uh, it sounds like you had a great time there. Yeah, yeah. Other other goals that I had there were just it's a reason to be in another city. Yeah. Um. First time you lived in a new city. Uh. Yep. Yeah. And all of the things that come with that, like a different circle of musicians to meet and connect with, and different opinions on music and different mentors and different peers um yeah so i think that was really the the main thing was just being in another city you get all this new circle of all this new network to gain things from and then as well just the going through school there's all sorts of things to learn from that you know like so I would say I would say the teaching thing is like certainly th- that was a a big reason just like 
uh, I'm just going to do it and get it over with right after I graduate, and I'll be glad I did it right away. Um, but my main focus there was just trying to progress like as a performer and, and writer, I would say. Yeah. yeah. mission accomplished, right? I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> now, one of the cliche ways that people often go out of a conversation like this, if they're hosting it, is to ask what's next. And it's not really too, too helpful because we're not like putting out music trying to sell as many copies as possible like we were joking about how like the the cd copy of pixies that you've so generously given me it doesn't have barcode even so it's like come on that's diy to the <laughs> core right like i love it that's a badge of honor as far as i'm concerned yeah um it's a Bandcamp only release right now as far as i'm aware is that right yep yeah is it gonna stay that way i don't know well maybe i'll, I'll put it on spotify or something it's not something that you think too much about just kind of rolling with it, whatever Not gets really. it out there. Yeah, I'll yeah. Put it maybe later. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, the whole production of this has been so step-by-step. Because step. Uh, like I said, when we recorded, I didn't even know what was going to be of it, you know? And then as well, just being fully funded by myself, I really had no choice but to go step-by-step. Step. Yeah, because you, you first told me after you recorded in like May, yeah. I remember hearing from you that, yeah, yeah you were just kind of seeing what feeling it out what you were going to do next right yeah so as a result and also maybe just because this has been such a learning process for me i didn't i don't didn't and don't still really have any plan for the post release sort of stuff that you typically do with an album you know like i didn't have a a day uh like some kind of show booked or anything you yeah. know to like some kind of album release show or like or just like contacting like people to review it or, or stuff like that, you know? Um, what are you talking about? You reached out to me. That's true. I did reach out to you, <laughs> but that was easy credit. though. Cause I know you. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's local. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to send you an email. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like not to say that I'm not going to do that, but, and maybe it's, maybe I will have missed the mark to not have those things planned out prior to like, making it public but you know i'll still i'll still try my best to do those things so you said it was a big learning process from like i guess from after you fin finished recording in april yeah. to release what did you learn what what do you what would you say do you remember what stands out to you yeah i mean it's a lot of work yeah i've done <laughs> basically. it basically i guess i've done it three times yeah. really that i've been involved well i mean now i in my day job there's that but just in terms of my own stuff like i did one with my band yeah. that i was in from like 2016 to 2020 we did one demo album actually and then we also put out a full album and then i've done two myself so i guess i've i've kind of i've done it three times as like the bus driver yeah of the album project so far yeah this was your first one yeah yeah um and i mean like even doing it the most bare bones way basically where it, like one day of recording and everything is just there and like minimal editing it's still like a lot of back and forth and even after recording, I didn't do any of the work. It's just like basically facilitating, you know, Dave to do work. <laughs> it's yeah. still like a lot. It's still a lot on your mind, you know? Yeah, because you have to prove it. You have to give the direction, right? Exactly. there's no producer. So yeah, you got to yeah. say when it's done and you got to say what needs to be done to get it there. Yeah. And just like just a lot of emotional investment, you know? Yeah. I think part of why I hadn't made something sooner i guess is because of being in school and like COVID and stuff but uh, also it isn't isn't totally why i hadn't done something sooner like 
I felt like I wasn't like ready to do it or something or like I I need to like get Canada Council funding to do it or something like that. Um so it just felt like an impossible task almost like to make it happen and then I just kind of realized that like you just have to do it. Yeah. Um which isn't uh, <clears throat> not to say that anyone can do it because it takes money and I'm I'm have enough uh, security with current work that i could like do it but even then i I didn't have like money saved up yeah you know it was still like paycheck to paycheck basically that i was like paying for these different things yeah um so not to say you you need some kind of financial security but you just gotta make it happen that's it like and there's a wide range of budgets that you could do like obviously on the high end you can spend as much as you want but on the low end you know there's there's all kinds of ways that you could do it as well if you really wanted to get it done like if you like this is like pretty bare bones you know one like i said one day in the studio yeah just got dave to mix and edit and then get a designer um it's easy anyone can do it (laughs) you get the cds manufactured yeah too that's a it's another layer yeah but those that is the the minimal those are all those are the minimal production steps yeah. then there's kind of the then you can go expand from there the there's like the release and the the promotional steps kind of thing and then the bare bones steps to do there is like near zero right like because you don't you don't technically have to do any of that stuff exactly so, you can just yeah. do it put it on Bandcamp for free if that's all if all you want to do is get it out there then that's all you exactly. need, that's all you really yeah. need to do yeah yeah totally is that something that's still kind of it doesn't have any appeal like say say you are are going to do album number two in a stage of your life that still feels like this like that the whole that your whole life hasn't shifted or anything like because then it would be a whole different project right but like if you did a second album maybe even with the same group at some point you're still in kind of the same stage of your life would you approach that the same way or would you take away something out of this like oh now i'm really going to focus on the release and the promotional side or now i'm going to think about x and y like what would you think about going into number two I think if everything was a similar kind of way, um, I would realize now that you can pre-plan things, even though things have to happen after other things have happened. Yeah. Like you, (laughs) for instance, you don't have to ask the graphic designer to design your CD. After you have the final masters. After you have the final (laughs) masters. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to book a CD release show uh, after you've released your CD. <laughs> <laughs> but you can. I mean, in this community, they would abs- they would love to have you. Like, yeah, you are, for sure. You are not. You you can totally have your CD release show in April now. You could book it this week, and you could <laughs> yeah. have it in April, and they would love that. They're not going to say no because yeah. the album's already out. I have talked to to Tim actually, so yeah. that nice should happen. To be confirmed. Yeah, to be yeah. confirmed, but it should happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, just like you can, you know, even if you, even if it was like I was just like, basically like, okay, I got another paycheck. Now I can pay for this thing. Like you can still plan a timeline, you know, and like set things up. Um, that would make things go a lot smoother. I think, um, that's what I would do differently. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. But also now having done this, it'll be so much easier actually to get grant money like knowing yeah, you how have this some, like a work down. sample or whatever they exactly. would call it I mean, yeah it's just so much easier to like go through all the like lo- tiny logistical things you need to do in grant writing like breaking down the budget and stuff like oh now i actually now i truly know <laughs> what it is that i need a budget for you know 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know it because there are the things that you did, so you're familiar with them because you did them. Exactly. But then you also know what you did not uh, get around to doing it when you when you did this. So if you yeah, want to do stuff totally. that you didn't do on album number one, then you you you've totally. probably thought about what those things are too, right? So totally, yeah. Yeah. Is that something that is a big interest to you? Do you want to do that? Do you want to do you want to go into album two while you're still in the same stage of your life, or you're gonna wait for you know you're just gonna roll with this and then. Uh, it could happen in such a spontaneous way like this one did, you know, when the time's right. Do you think, I think about that? that? I, yeah, I mean, I would like it to be a little less spontaneous. Okay. Uh, but no, now having done this and realizing that it can be spontaneous, you know, maybe you got to be open to that. Yeah. Um, I think what, what I would really love to do is, um, is just like get a grant to do something else that would be awesome same group different group because the grant could bring everybody together right like it pay those kind of co- exactly. travel costs kind yeah of that's so you thing. keep the same group if you wanted um yeah i feel like the i feel like thing things are what not that i'm like good at writing grants i've never won a grant before have you tried uh yep yeah okay nice yeah uh, so i guess that's the first step I'll, what i've what i've heard from people who are good at it is that you just got to keep doing it uh no matter what but um i feel like it it feel it feels like the doors are wide open like i feel way more comfortable now actually asking for what it is that i need to do something because i know what that actually looks like um but what what i would really love to do is is record something with a larger ensemble similar to the one you found on sound yeah, which sounds just like a live yeah like a phone recording almost yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah um that would be that would be awesome i would really like to do that because um cuz then it's more about my writing yeah if it's a larger band you want that feeling that you described of like you want to unlock the other musicians and not have it be so much about you and the focus on you but like what yeah. you can create for exactly. the other people to launch off of exactly yeah i think with a larger but not uh with a larger band you can you can have more focus on your own writing um and expressing yourself that way um mm-hmm. yeah uh so i'd love to do that but th- i that would definitely not be able to be a spontaneous kind of no. thing i don't i couldn't pay like eight musicians you gotta have some rehearsals right so you gotta, you gotta <laughs> you schedule to that rehearsals. out <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the other thing you gotta rehearse i can't just yeah, like this thing I the other thing is Millie and Eli never played with Noah before. Right. Like ever. Because then they didn't overlap. Like, yeah, they didn't know no. each other in Vancouver and, and then we, they went to two different places. We yeah. also didn't rehearse all together before. I figured, yeah, because they're all coming into so town at a certain I, time. <laughs> it was I had full faith because of who they are and their their musical um pedigree, I guess. Yeah. Pedigree, but also like what they what their tendencies are and their kind of like musical disposition I knew, it, well. I knew it would work but um i guess didn't know for sure that it would work <laughs> <laughs> but you felt that it you believed i believed yeah yeah i knew yeah. they would i knew they would there would be a sound with the three of them i think i was right <laughs> i think you were right too yeah that's really exciting that 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 can happen you know that's that's a special part of it that you come in with that feeling and then you do it you know that's that's what it's all about yeah totally yeah Yeah. my last thing 
that okay. I want to ask you about this is, uh, you know, you've, you've really, you've opened up about the post Toronto back to here sort of situation. Yeah. Do you want to stay here? Do you want to go back there? Do you want to go somewhere else? Do you think, are you ready to think about it? How are you feeling about that? Uh, I don't, I didn't like living in Toronto. Okay. I'll be totally honest about that. Uh, because as soon as I got here, it was like, oh yeah, this is home. <laughs> nice. Um, so basically all I could say about that is that I can't see myself living in Toronto. Okay. Chapter closed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well then who knows where else it'll, it'll take you right now, but yeah, you're here. Exactly. You're here now. Mm-hmm. You hope you, I hope I get to attend the Pixies album release show at some point. Yeah, uh, <laughs> me too. If you want to, if you want to do it. That's right. Because um, you get those CDs aren't going to move themselves. That's you right. Gotta... <laughs> I mean, that's the big thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How else are people going to find CDs? Yeah. Well, this has been not only so much fun, but you were also really open about a lot of the things you've been going through. And I think that's super valuable because you get, you know, younger people who are listening to this, who knows what they're going through or sure, people yeah. our age and end up. So... I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Will. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. The year ending one will be back in 2023. But if you enjoyed this and you want to take in more Rhythm Changes content in the new year, sign up for the free weekly article by becoming a member today at rhythmchanges.ca. You'll get a new artist event or recording to enjoy and share every Tuesday morning along with hundreds of other people getting the free weekly article. Sign up now on our homepage at rhythmchanges.ca. Happy New Year! (laughs) 